You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. It is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, church. Happy Advent 4. If you have ever seen a pregnant woman in her third trimester, which is super technical language that I'm pretty familiar with, that is like basically nearing the end, right? The red zone, as they call it in football. Uh, At the very, very end of this time, she goes into a special mode, at least my wife went into a special mode. And I know we have a lot of pregnant ladies. We have someone recently pregnant. I'm not going to spill the news. But pregnancy is like a total normal thing here at Res. Someone's always pregnant. It's wonderful. But when a woman gets into that third trimester, something, something snaps. And she goes into what I like to call the super nesting mode. Is this familiar with anyone? You can imagine. Amen. Amen, right? All of a sudden, the garage has got to get painted and, like, the car's got to get washed and, like, all kinds of stuff that maybe you put off in the closet. Now it has to be dragged out and organized and color-coded. Everything has to be taken care of. It has nothing to do with the baby. It just has to do with, like, preparing, getting ready, getting rid of the clutter. You can imagine... The young Mary, have you ever considered Mary's nesting mode? What that must have been like? This morning, we actually get to spend a lot of time with Mary and Elizabeth, like we heard in the gospel readings, and and step into this wonderful mystery of what it is, what it means that Mary is the God-bearer, the one in which, in her own womb, God has taken on flesh and blood. What What does it mean to prepare as a young woman for something like that? we're going to look at this morning. If you've ever had a baby at res, um, you'd know that I end up showing up at the hospital. Um, Uninvited, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be there, so get used to it. And I come to bless the baby. I give people a heads up. I'm not that much, I'm not that inconsiderate. I show up to bless the baby. It's one of my most favorite things to do is to show up and bless the baby. I just did this this week, and it's wonderful. But at the same time, when I, when I enter into the hospital room and I say hello to the mother, we kind of get comfortable, I open the prayer book, and we begin this liturgy of the thanksgiving of a child, this really strange thing happens in the liturgy. And I notice that every single time, and it's always kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable, but mostly just curious what this is like for a woman who's reading Mary's song. I hand the prayer book over to the mother and say, would you read Mary's song from Luke 1 for us? It's strange to me because the first part of it's totally fine. Mary's expressing her own personal gratitude of God's blessing. But then it really quickly shifts into something super political, like cosmic in scale. It almost is like, I know this has nothing to do with you just having a baby, but just keep reading. This announcement of this kingdom-toppling power that's come into the world, this poor-lifting kingdom of God that is now taking place, the promise of salvation that has finally come, that all the world, all of creation has been longing for this child that now is in this woman's womb. This is the song of Mary. And that child is God's plan of salvation. That's the plan. This whole time, this child in the mother's womb is the plan. It always has been. In fact, the prophet Micah we read this morning, we heard he speaks of this child from Bethlehem 
whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Even before Mary, this child, his origin is from the ancient of days. Fascinating. And by the way, Bethlehem, house of bread, is Bethlehem. Jesus, I'm the bread of life. Interesting, right? Maybe it's just interesting. Maybe just coincidence, right? Well, Israel's, no, it's not coincidence, sorry. Israel's story, <laughs> just in case anyone's wondering, Israel's story is now woven into Mary's story. And she begins to give voice and sing aloud, not just her own gratitude and her own song, but the song of all of creation. God and his salvation, his rescue, it's getting real now. It's not just the idea of a rescue. God prepares a body, Hebrews 10 tells us in verse 5. Hold on a second. Think about this, friends. God's salvation is coming in a body. He prepares not an idea for you, not a bumper sticker, not a cool t-shirt from our retreat, not like coffee after the service. God prepares for you a body of salvation. And he's doing it in the flesh of Mary. This is perhaps the greatest mystery of the Christian faith. Salvation in the body of a child. Think about that. Now, we cannot take this mystery. It's called the incarnation. We can't take the mystery of the incarnation without taking Mary seriously. And this exchange that she has with Elizabeth, it opens up to us all kinds of questions and interesting things that we're going to look at this morning. But I just want to say, if you're coming from a place that anytime you hear about Mary, you think Roman Catholic practice and like, oh my gosh, I don't know what that's about. Um, okay, like I'll let you have whatever that is. And yes, there's like instances in which like Mary is venerated in a way that maybe is not helpful and missing the point of who Jesus is. And yes, 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 yes. But there's also this other aspect about Mary that's just biblical. That if you reject all of Mary, you're actually rejecting a lot of scripture with that. So I just want to say, before you throw that out, hold on a second. Let's be at least biblical about this. And let the scriptures inform us, not us inform our traditions and our scriptures, right? Let Mary, the God-bearer, speak for herself in this story. I want to ask you, if you have that hesitation or that kind of that reaction, that, that allergy to like Marian theology and practice in some ways, just want to ask you, reconsider that just this morning. Put that on pause. And let scripture speak to us afresh. Because if we cannot take Mary seriously, we cannot take the fact that Jesus, the incarnate God, has come to dwell among us in real flesh, in real human history, seriously. We can't take that seriously unless we take Mary seriously. This morning, I want to prepare us for this very mystery, this body of God that he has prepared for us. Like I said at the very beginning, this is the body through which we are sanctified, through which the cleansing of our sin in our own bodies is made a reality. Let's look at this story in Luke chapter 1. Briefly before we jump in, some background, because this gets complicated really quick. For Israel, the temple, have you all ever heard of the temple before? It's this meeting place of God for Israel. In the temple, if you were to show up, um, it would be kind of, you know, it actually might be somewhat similar to this in some ways. Uh, fancy robes, tons of smoke, uh, lots of people doing weird things. This is the temple. This is the place in which God would come and meet with his people. And his people would offer sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord. But before the temple, there was kind of like a mobile temple. 
a tabernacle, a tent of meeting with God. And within both of these places, there was a strange object that was placed in this meeting place of people with God. There was a strange object that was placed in this place that dangerously bore the presence of God. Dangerously because, like one time they're walking with it, it starts to tilt. Some guy tries to hold it up and dies because he touches it. Like dangerously close to the presence of God. Christians believe in some pretty amazing things, right? That's interesting. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. And before the Ark, um, King David would leap and dance with joy. Because the ark was the symbol of God's presence. It was his real dangerous presence among them. It was what upheld them in battle. It was what David danced uh, and praised before, uh, praised God before. When God delivered Israel from their enemies, David would leap and dance before it. And there was a whole temple system of offerings and sacrifices that this was the point, to settle the debt of human sin with God. There was this whole system of sacrifices and offerings. And now the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 tells us that God doesn't take pleasure in these anymore. In fact, that old way of doing things is being abolished, is being slid off the table to make space for this new way of atoning for sin, for the forgiveness of sins, for the presence of God, the way that he's coming to dwell among his people. Instead... He would come himself, not through just symbols, not through offerings that like our burnt offerings or of animals. No, Jesus would be the presence of God. He is God himself coming himself to settle once for all the sin of his people. No need for the temple anymore. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Now God has prepared a body, a child that would be the once and for all offering that would make God's people holy. And this child, get this, it gets even weirder, pretty cool. This child is the meeting place of regular people like you and I and God. This child is the place where heaven and earth are joined in one. This child is the reality of all things being reconciled to God, unified, restored, healed. Within this place, this child, within his own body, would atone for the sin of the world. His body would be the embodiment of God's long, ancient promise. This one from the ancient of days would come to fulfill that ancient of days promise that God made to his people. This child is literally God enfleshed among us. But this child and all of that is not possible without the body of Mary. Do you see how that's kind of important for us to wrap our head around? For all of those things, for God and in, in, in all of his eternal, infinite divinity, to take on a finite space among us has to enter into humanity really. And he has to do that through somebody, and God has chosen Mary to do that. that. That's amazing. Of all people, Mary. All right, so back to the story. There's a little background. Mary and Elizabeth, they, they, they show up. They meet each other. Mary comes to Elizabeth, we're told in Luke. 
And Luke tells this story of this encounter between two pregnant women, which should be just fascinating in and of itself, right? Uh, If you've ever heard two pregnant women talk, it's always quite interesting. Um, But Mary shows up at Elizabeth's place, and Luke tells this story in a really loaded way with all of these illusions that you, would, you probably may not have even recognized. There's all these illusions that Luke is putting forward on the table in this story about Mary's visit with Elizabeth. Listen to this, just a few of these. And he's trying to say something in all of this. He's trying to reveal some mystery about who Mary is. Listen, Mary set out, scripture says, or in other translations to say, she arose and went out of the region of Judah. The NRSV says Judea. It's actually, I think, not as honest as the text actually says. You read most other, uh, like, uh, contemporary translations, um, you, like the NIV, for instance, or the ESV, you'll see that the word Judah, the place Judah is actually referenced, which is strange because only here in the Gospel of Luke does he call that place by its tribal name. It's like your mom calling you your old nicknames in front of your friends. That You're like, where did that come from? You haven't called me that forever. Judah. It's a strange reference. Just like in 2 Samuel, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 2, tells us that King David arose and went, the same phrase, arose and went to a village of, you guessed it, Judah, to get what? The Ark of the Covenant. Interesting. Mary entered Zechariah's house, Elizabeth, Zechariah's house, just as the Ark of the Covenant entered the house of an Obed-Edom in 2 Samuel 6, 10. 2 Samuel 6, while Luke is writing this story, may have just been open or ringing in his head. The baby John in Elizabeth's womb is said to have leaped. Remember that part? When Mary has come close, the baby John leaps in her womb, just as David leaps, dances with joy before the Ark of the Covenant in 2 Samuel 6, verse 12. Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, exclaimed with a loud cry, Scripture says, just as the people with their shouts before the ark in 2 Samuel 6, verse 15. We're not hopping around 2 Samuel 6. This is just in chapter 6, one after the other. Mary stands with Elizabeth for th- uh, stays with Elizabeth for three months, Scripture tells us. The same length of time the ark stayed in the house of Obed-Edom before David brought it up to Jerusalem. Interesting, isn't it? This could have just been a story about two pregnant women having a crazy conversation, but it, it is way more than that. Luke is trying to put forward something here. Through many illusions, Luke is showing us that Mary and this pregnancy, this is extraordinary. This is the new ark of the covenant Mary is where the Ark of the Covenant was the God-bearer in the Old Testament, now we see this woman literally bearing God. This is why the church councils and the church have always called Mary the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the dwelling place of God in the temple. Now, this one Mary bearing God's presence for God's people. When, we, when I referenced earlier, we read the gospel reading, we come down to the center aisle. It's a kind of a loose reference to John 1 that says that God um, uh, made, uh, pitched his tent, made his dwelling among us, literally pitched his tent, made his tabernacle. He tabernacled, you could say, among God's people. Well, that reality 
from the Old Testament image of a tabernacle and pitching that tent and God dwelling among the tribes of Israel, all of that is now being fulfilled in the person of Mary. The baby in Elizabeth, and even, in, even Elizabeth herself, Scripture says, she recognizes that God has come near. My Lord has come to visit me. He's pitched his tent among even me. And she says to Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Who's in her womb? Jesus. She asks, why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? What beautiful questions. What a beautiful thing to announce. And so all of this, now think, just put yourself in Mary's slippers for a second here, okay? All of salvation history with Israel, with the temple system, with the tabernacle, with, with the tribes of Israel, with it, its exile, with its, its Red Sea. Like, think about the, all the way back to creation. All of this, God's plan was to bring about a child, and all of that is like a vortex being summarized and fulfilled in this young woman, Mary. Can you imagine the weight of that reality resting on your shoulders? And what does Mary say to this as she realizes what God is up to? What does Mary say? But she gently brings forward the fruit of God's news, his plan in her life. The news that the angel had told her, she gently brings forward this fruit of God's news saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. I mean, it really does too, if you think about this. In Mary's own soul, what is being magnified is the works of God throughout history. And his plan of salvation is now at hand in her. My soul magnifies the Lord, makes much of God. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary realizes just how wonderful it is that God has come to dwell with his people, to save and rescue his people, to establish peace that peace that we all long for, to atone for sin, to wipe away shame, to deal with death and darkness once and for all, to settle the score through Mary in this child. Mary's obedience to this wonderful news, and that's a lot to take in, folks, and say, okay, Lord, as you say it is, let's do this. Her obedience undoes the disobedience of Eve in the garden and starts to untwist all of sin history and now rewrite the story in terms of salvation that God is bringing about with Mary's obedience. And now generations who have been called cursed because of the curse of sin will now call Mary blessed. And all who receive this child will be blessed. And the song of hers is not just her song. Like we said, it opens up to this huge scope. It is now all of humanity's song of praise because salvation has become real and has moved into our lives and rescued us. How wonderful this news is. How awesome it is for you, for me. Listen to this. This is part of Mary's song. This is the part that I tell you gets weird when a mother in the hospital is reading this. Imagine this. A mom who had just had a baby. I make her read this poor thing. Here we go. It says this. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has helped his servant Israel 
in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Church, this promise in small ways, we get to see a glimpse of and get to be reminded of it when we see children being born. This promise isn't just something tucked away in history, but for church, listen to me, look at me, everybody. This promise is for you. This is now your song. This is now your story. This is now your promise that you get to receive on Christmas morning. This promise is for you. It's not for the person sitting next to you who showed up on time this morning or for the person next to you on the other side who like did something that you think is like really awesome in a religious kind of perspective or just all the other much better people around you. You may think I've got all this trash in my life. This isn't for me. No, you are absolutely wrong. This promise is for you. This promise is for all of humanity because it makes much of what God is doing despite you. In fact, to bring about salvation, the forgiveness of sins, to bring about resurrection. This promise is for you, church. And this new ark of God's presence is coming near to you, not just in some Bible story, but the ark of God's presence is coming near to you. God is bringing about salvation in the body of his son, Jesus, for you. How will we respond? Will our souls make much of what God is doing for us? Or will we just tuck this away as another Christmas season that's coming and going? Will we respond in faith like Mary does? Making so much of the wonderful gift of God? This seems impossible to you this morning to make a big deal about this news that God is coming near to you. Right now, you can even whisper a prayer to the Lord. Lord, have mercy on me. This is too wonderful for me to believe. Lord, give me the gift of faith. It's really that simple, friends, to open up your lives to this wonderful news and say, Lord, have mercy. How wonderful is this? I believe, help my unbelief. Church, may this Last week of Advent, may we not neglect our preparations for the one that's to come. May we put away our doubts and put away those obstacles to faith and open ourselves to true belief and receive this child that is to come, the light of the world. May you put aside your actual stubbornness that you even exercised this week, because I did the same thing. Can we put aside that stubbornness? this fourth week of Advent and cooperate with the Holy Spirit who even overshadows us today with his presence. May we not be so stinking lazy and dry and boring about this news, but may we be like David who people called a fool because of the way he danced and leaped before the presence of God. May we, like Elizabeth, raise our voice and dance and sing with joy just in the fact that this news has come to us. It's not even Christmas yet, and we can still rejoice that God is up to something and we know about it and he's coming to save us. Y'all can say amen to this anytime during the service when I'm preaching. Any, do I, need, I need to start over. Church, listen to me. Our salvation comes to us. You don't have to go to it. 
Our salvation comes despite all the obstacles, despite all the mysteries, despite all the intellectual objections that we may have, despite all of our sin, despite the way that we resist God. You name it, the list goes on and on and on. And yet, guess what? God is determined to come to you. And he does. So cooperate with him. Receive this child in faith. Lord, have mercy. How wonderful is this news. As we come to the altar, we get to receive this salvation in our own hands as preparation, as salvation itself. We get to come and receive this body the way we do with our hands, almost making a manger in our own hands to receive this child into our lives. I pray this morning as you come up, as you step into this very dangerous aisle in which you are now in the sights of the presence of God, that you come forward knowing that every step you take is a step nearer to the salvation that God has already made available to you. May this be your response of faith as we come closer to this manger, as we dance and sing and leap before the presence of God this morning. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.